Hey guys, real quick. The point of this podcast is to hear stories about people navigating within the Bitcoin industry. So if you're looking to work in Bitcoin or if you're a Bitcoin company looking to hire at the moment, we are the leading recruiting firm focused on the Bitcoin industry. Head over to our website and learn more at www.bitcointalent.co. My guest today is Adam Ortolf, aka Denver Bitcoin. He is VP of Business Development for the U.S. at Upstream Data Inc., where he works with oil and gas producers to help them monetize their stranded or associated natural gas by supplying them with infrastructure to generate power and mine the Bitcoin network on site. Adam defines himself as a freedom maximalist whose passion lies within the energy production and power generation industries, primarily the oil and gas industry. I really enjoyed this chat today with Adam. Uh, I think he has a great story of how persistency and discipline and following up and providing value can eventually lead to a job in the Bitcoin space. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast. I'm your host, Eric Podwatsky, and today I have Adam O, who is the VP of Business Development for North America uh, from Upstream Data. Thanks for joining me, Adam. No, man, I'm, I'm honored to be here and humbled to, to have been asked to be on this podcast, right? I think... I think what you're doing is awesome. I think you know the testimonies you you gather are, are sweet. Sadly, I haven't I haven't listened to any. Um, I've heard I've heard some things about them, and so I'll have to dive in more. But I'm coming in blind. I don't know what questions you ask, so I'm I'm excited to you know to talk to you and you know share I guess my weird experience and you know over the last five six years. Yeah, I think it's better if you come into it kind of cold. Actually, uh, makes a better show. So let's dive into it. Um, I'm curious about your background, like. Before Bitcoin, we know where'd you go to school? Uh, what'd you do professionally? Yeah, so um, you know, I've I've been I have a bachelor's degree um, in international marketing and economics. Um, I I went to a couple different schools. I went first. I went to I went to Baylor out of high school. Um, I did a like a semester at Baylor. I didn't really like Waco, Texas, all that much. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't know. If my, I mean, a lot of people from Texas probably can't blame me. Um, and then I did, I did like a quick semester at CSU here, Colorado State University up in Colorado. But really, I did the bulk of all my, my collegiate studies at a school called Dort University in northwestern Iowa. I was in a town of like 7,000 people. It's dairy country. It's in Sioux County, Iowa. They grow, you know, the, I think the majority of the nation's corn and soybean, um, as well as a huge dairy um, industry. And so, I mean, it's a very wealthy part of the Midwest, um, even though it's, you know, we had two stoplights in the entire town. Um, you know, I had, I had dinner at my professor's houses. Um, like I took a road trip with one of my professors to Kansas city just cause like he wanted to check something out and there was a business down there that I wanted to do a report on. And he had to go pick up a product for his kid, a medical product for his kid that he found on Craigslist. And so like, we were just friends, right? I, I've seen that professor since I graduated. Uh, we've gotten beers and stuff together. So, mm. you know, it was a, it was a small niche community. I think the, I think the college has a total enrollment of like 1700. And so it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not an Ivy leaguer. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It's real small. Right. I mean, most people's high school is probably bigger than my, my college. Um, and it's, and it's a university, right? Like I said, it's, it's a university accredited, accredited. And the professors there were absolutely overqualified. I've got nothing but good things to say about that school. Um, you know, there's things about being in a small town that there's trade-offs, right? I love small town living. The one trade-off, and I think everybody in a small town would agree with me, is my God is there like drama and gossip <laughs> because that's that's like all people can do is, you know, talk and like everybody knows everybody. And so 
if you, like I'm a pretty private person, right? Obviously, I mean, it's kind of inherent to Bitcoin and, you know, sovereign individualism is I keep to my business. I stay out of other people's, but in a small town that's, you know, you sneeze and people will say, bless you, even though nobody was around, right? Um, everybody knows. And so it's, you know, my college experience was, was a blast. Um, I made really good friends, you know, guys I still keep in touch with uh, to this day. And really I had, I had a drive for, you know, I, I've always been business minded uh, and entrepreneurial spirit for sure. And, you know, that's, that's why I went and got a business degree. I think in hindsight, um, you know, I probably would have rather taken the money and started a company yeah. um, that I spent to go to college. Uh, I think about because, that too. Right. Because what I found getting out of college, you know, I had my dream getting out of college. Keep in mind, I, I wasn't I, I, I had heard about Bitcoin, um, but I hadn't I hadn't sought out the details of Bitcoin for myself yet. Right. I hadn't right. tested those waters. I, you know, I'd heard about it and I, I shrugged it off like every other idiot who heard about it and shrugged it off when it was I think it was like, you know, it was 2014 or I think it was like, you know, one hundred and eighty two hundred dollars a coin kind of a thing. Um, so I, you know missed a huge opportunity. Plus I would have mined a ton in college on my free dorm power. I would have been, I've been all over that. And it was really cold in Northwestern Iowa, right? I was right on the Minnesota border. And so those winters were brutal. Um, mining would have been great. So I kicked myself all the time for not having gone down the rabbit hole sooner, but out of high school or out of college, I, you know, my dream job, the thing that I was really excited about at the time. Um, and maybe it's, it kind of seems a little funny to me now, but it, it was mobile gaming actually. Yeah. Uh, mobile gaming, you know, this was like 2015, 2016. Uh, mobile gaming was really taking off. You know, if anybody, anybody that knows anything about mobile gaming, you know, the company King, that, that's, they have two games. They have Clash of Clans and a game called Boom Beach. Um, they're mobile games, they're iPad, iPhone games. And, yep. King, you know, King did really well. And there's, there's a couple of others um, that did really well at creating a game that you know, really treaded that line between, you know, is it, is it pay to win or is it, you know, play to win? And, and, you know, like Candy Crush is just kind of a mindless arcade game where you can buy diamonds. And by the way, Candy Crush makes, you know, that, that game was absolutely I mean, revenues like you wouldn't believe. Um, I think even still to this day, it, it kills, but Boom Beach and King or Boom Beach and Clash of Clans is a lot different of a game, right? It's a strategy game. It's, it's, you, it's interactive um, and, and social. You, you play with other human beings on earth um, as well as some computer elements and things. And so, I mean, if anybody knows, like King, I think ended up getting bought as a company. I think they got bought out for like five or $6 billion. They developed two games, right? Wow. I mean, think about it. Like you go develop two mobile app games, like tower defense kind of games. And then three, four years later, you're cashing out for 6 billion. I mean, that, that was really exciting to me uh, coming out of college. Um, I really mm -hmm. liked, you know, I, I, li I liked good games, right? I wasn't really the Candy Crush guy all that much. There was a time where, I, you know, me and my family, we were all competitive on, you know, what level you were on in Candy Crush. And we were all yeah. you know, battling with each other. Um, but really, I was more, I was more focused on and more interested by kind of the, the deeper um, gaming capabilities. And I knew, you know, new Apple devices, iOS devices were coming out, which can enhance the, you know, the capabilities of what you can program in a game. So I, I was, I was really keen on, on breaking into that industry. And so I, I actually moved to Northern California. I moved to Campbell, uh, right outside of San Jose, California. 
And my, my brother um, at the time was in a really great job in at Apple in, in the app store business development. Um, and so he was a great resource for me. I actually moved in with him at his house with him and his wife and his, his two kids at the time. Um, and I lived with him for about five or six months and I was, ch and I chased that dream. Um, and while I was living there, I mean, I had to make some money. So one thing I have in my background that has always, that I've always leveraged and has been an asset of mine is uh, growing up, my parents, my parents owned UPS stores or mailboxes, et cetera, initially. And then they became UPS retail stores, you know, the mm -hmm. pack and ship stores, if you've ever seen them, right. Yeah. You, you just bring all your Christmas presents or whatever, and we pack them up and ship them out. Um, right. And we also have PO boxes and stuff. Well, it, you know, most people probably don't know. I mean, that business, it's a pretty good business, right? It's like a, from a franchise point of view, from an owner point of view, it's a pretty good business. Um, you don't lose. It's, it's not, you know, often that you lose money. And, you know, if you're in a good location, you can, they can throw off a lot of cash if they're run well. Um, and I, because my parents owned them when I was growing up, I mean, I was, I was slave labor. Right? I was working in those stores from when I was 12. So I know the UPS store system fluently. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and they're everywhere. And so when I went to Northern California, I actually got a job at two different UPS stores as um, assistant manager um, is where I, is what I started off on um, mm -hmm. because I had a lot of experience managing stores. And so I was making, you know, like 20 bucks an hour or something, um, but neither of them could pay me full time. So I literally would work like 8 a.m. to 11 and then I'd work like 1 p.m. to, to 6.30 at another store. Um, so I would I'd drive up to Los Altos and then I'd drive back down to, to Campbell and go to another store. And so while I was doing that, I was then applying to every um, mobile gaming tech company that was in Northern California. I was, you know, my brother was helping me out. My brother helped me out a ton. He got me in front of everybody. He brought me to barbecues. You know, I shook tons of hands and I got a lot of sit downs with, with opportunities where I could work in the gaming industry, the, you know, gaming and mobile gaming. And yeah. one that I, I fell in love with, by the way, I mean, this was like, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie, like what's that, what's that grandma's boy? Yeah. I've seen you that. You've seen grandma's boy. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, like Hilarious. Yeah, I don't know if you, like, if you can remember when you, when you first watched that movie, you're kind of looking at like, Oh my God, these guys have the best job in the world. <laughs> right. They show up to work and they like play all these games. They have like these, you know what I mean? And there's like, you know, arcade machines everywhere. Well, when I went and interviewed at EA, right, the, the company that makes the Madden football franchise, yeah, yeah, EA Sports. Um, yeah, I went to their headquarters. When I walked in, I mean, I walked in, there's like a, there was like a 20 foot Godzilla statue. And literally like, I'm talking like 85, 90 inch, you know, plasma HD screens with consoles and every EA game available is just sitting there. Um, and I, That's you know, cool. I, and, and, and I, I had an interview and I got to the late, the late rounds of, you know, the interview stage where they were, they were giving me all these different puzzles and tests and things. And, you know, it was one of those things where like, they made me wait 20 minutes before I got to my interview and they had me sit on a couch where there was literally a controller there and like a, a game console. So like, of course I picked it up and started playing. Right. Like I, yeah. I thought it was a test. You know, that's, that's Northern California, right. Where the second you walk in the building, the test has already begun. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the interview has already begun. Um, the bottom line is though, I didn't land a job. I didn't get an offer from any of them. Um, I wasn't an engineer, right? I, I, I wasn't a programmer. I didn't understand really how, how code and how games were, um, you know, the back end side of games. I really didn't have a good understanding of that process. I was eager to learn, 
but it was apparent that I didn't have any experience. Um, and so all the jobs I applied to, even though I got a lot of good looks, I fell short. Um, and about six months, you know, I, at some point I had to, I had to assess, right? I mean, the cost of living in Northern California was, was hellish, even though, I mean, 20 bucks an hour is in back, even back in 2016 was pretty good. Mm. Um, but not Northern California good. Um, and so the good news is, is that my living was subsidized. I was with my brother. And so, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to evict me, right? If I, if I had a hard time on rent or anything. And so, mm. um, but even then it was tough. Like I wasn't able to save much. And, you know, at some point it's like, you know, I, maybe I need to go a different direction. Maybe I revisit this. Maybe I go get some experience. Maybe I go get an MBA. Um, you know, I was starting to think about other things. And so six months in, decided to move back to Colorado. I, I actually had gotten a phone call from a guy here in Colorado who had a UPS store and he needed, it was in shambles. I um, mean, it's a really high grossing store. He needed a manager, right? And so he was offering me like 36 bucks an hour to come manage his store and some performance bonuses. And yeah. I was like, sign me up, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm in. Um, and, you know, I was, I was like, you know what? I might as well go take this opportunity. If I'm going to, if he's going to let me be a manager and like give me a lot of autonomy, he's not going to micromanage me. This guy happened to own like, I think he owned like 67 UPS stores in the nation. He's, he's a massive owner. Um, so I knew he wasn't going to be breathing down my neck and he trusted me, right? He actually bought three or four of, of my parents' stores. So he knew mm -hmm. me. Um, and so I came back and the store is right next to my parents' house. So I went back and lived with my parents, you know, and, you know, I, I mean, I kind of went back home, like, you know, bloodied and bruised. Like didn't get, didn't hit, didn't hit the dream job. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I, I didn't have low spirits. I was just, you know, I, I got kicked in the teeth a little bit. Um, I think I, it's I was, good for you, honestly. Seen, yeah. You, I mean, I think you I, get kicked in the teeth. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Right. And by the way, Northern California was not my speed. You got to remember this was right when Trump got elected. Mm. Right. So I was, I was working in Los Angeles when Trump got elected. Yeah, 20, it was exactly right, 2016. I was in Los Altos the day that he won the election. And I mean, the the political views of the people I was interacting with did not align with me. I'm, I'm not a Trump fan, but yeah. I am I am way more right if I'm if I'm anything than I am left, right? I mean, right. On the political spectrum. I'm I'm very much libertarian. And so uh I I didn't I didn't, man, I mean, those six months, I didn't make a lot of friends in Northern California because I didn't like the people, right? And they didn't like me. Um, we didn't, we just didn't match. We didn't vibe. Uh, that wasn't, that wasn't my, you know, playground, right? And so mm -hmm. I, I was kind of actually excited to get out of there, but, and then come, and I love Colorado. So anyway, I came back and I took this opportunity in stride, right? I, I decided to run with it. And um, I took the job really seriously. Um, I got my own place and I had rent and I had a lot of bills. Um, I had a girlfriend I was living with at the time and she didn't have, she had a really, you know, crappy job, like a minimum wage job. So mm. I was, you know, it was on me to really provide um, for us and, and to make it work. And so I was motivated and eager and I was, and the thing is, is I'm really good at the job. And so I took it, you know, and I had some performance bonuses where if I, if I grew the, the sales of the store on, on a month, you know, a year over year basis on the on a yeah. monthly term, um, I would get like an extra 10% and stuff at the month. So I was, I was hustling, right? I was working a lot of hours. Um, the cool thing about UPS stores is you never have to work Sundays. Um, and they close pretty early. They close at six 30. Yeah. Um, cause the, the last UPS pickup is, you know, not all that late anyway. And, and so like you always get a day off. Um, I like, I, you know, I, I got in that, 
I was a, I was a retail manager, right? And I was taking that seriously, um, you know, drinking a beer when I got home and, you know, exhaling all the stress from customers being assholes and things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and smiling through my teeth. Um, and so I did that for about, I think I was at that store for 13 months, 11 months, and a customer walked in and, you know, this tall kind of, you know, like not very social guy, uh, a little awkward, um, walked in and he, he needed to print like 500 of these, these flyers that he was going to be handing out at a conference. And he, so he wanted them to be on nice paper and high quality and stuff. UPS stores would do printing, right? So I helped him out. And while his copies were coming out of the, the machines, he had to wait for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. He was sitting there watching me like, you know, run around this store with like a chicken with its head cut off, you know, <laughs> managing everything, helping, you know, lines of customers. And cause I was hustling, right? I mean, I was, I had mm -hmm. money to make. And so when he came up to the counter to, to ring up his, his print, um, he asked me, he was like, do you have a college degree? And I was like, you know, I told him about, you know, what my, kind of my story a little bit. And, yeah. you know, and I'd had these, inter I'd had these interactions before, you know, sometimes guys are just making small talk or whatever. And he ended up giving me a business card. And he's like, you know, Hey, I've got a, I own a software company. Um, he's like, do you know anything about oil and gas? And I said, I don't know anything about oil and gas. Um, I, was like, I, I was like, you know, I know as I probably know a tiny bit more than the average person just cause I'm curious yeah. about things. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know shit about oil and gas. Um, certainly not upstream oil and gas. Um, and he was like, well, that's okay. He's like, you know, I need somebody that's young and energetic and eager. I've got a software company that's small, but successful. Like we have no debt, you know, we've got a customer, but we've never sold it. We've never marketed this software product before. And we're mm -hmm. at a place now where we want to do that. Um, and he's like, I'm too old to go to these, you know, he's like, I'm going to a conference to hand these out. He's like, I'm too old to travel and bring all the gear and set up a booth and, yeah. you know, do, do the conference or he's like, I need somebody, you know, he's like, would you be interested? And I was like, what is it, you know, what, what could you pay me? <laughs> right, that was my, my first question. What, what does that look like? What am I, you know, do I make my own hours? Do I have an office? Right. Those mm -hmm. I, I had simple questions, but either way, he gave me a card and he said, give me a call. Um, and I ended up giving him a call and he actually brought me in for an interview and they hired me. Um, that, that was, that's a company called Prams plus. Right. And so they, that was a oil and gas production software company, right? And so it was a product. It was a product that helped oil and gas producers account for their. You know, there's three things you have to account for in oil in oil and gas. It's oil, gas, and water, yeah. right? Um, and money, obviously. But from a from a hydro, or, you know, from a minerals hydrocarbon standpoint, oil, gas, and water. And this was a software, and it's a really complicated process, right? Every state has different rules on how you report. You have to report to the state and to the feds and you have to report to them differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and it's very antiquated, right? Like it's these very old systems where you have to go to their website and, you know, some of them have a portal, some of them make you fax it in really weird stuff. And so this software was actually, you know, they, they had built it over the last like 10 or 12 years. I mean, it had iterated, but it was pretty darn good. It worked. Right. I mean, we had a, the captain of the company, I, I would call it the, the brains behind the operation, this guy named Mark Bedish. Hmm. Um, Mark was, I, I don't, I, I've, the only person I know that has worked as hard as Mark is probably Steve Barber. Um, Mark made this software work. And whenever it didn't, he didn't leave the office until whatever was fixed, right? And so, but I still didn't know anything about oil and gas. And that was, that was a big problem, right? And I, Rick, the, the guy who had walked in the UPS store to hire me, tried to help me. So before I started at the company, which was, I started there in January of 2018. 
Um, he had me go to a couple of oil and gas events here in Colorado, like in November and December of 2017, mm. um, to, to kind of like get integrated in the space, start shaking some hands before I started my job. And I wanted to, I was like, absolutely. Like you guys are going to pay me a night. Like, it was the first time in my life. I think I'd gotten like a, a salary, no matter how many hours I worked. And I had some commission bonus if I, you know, got some good sales and blah, blah, blah. Right. So again, I was motivated, right? I was like, okay, well, mobile gaming's kind of gone. I'm, I, I'm going to go try to learn about oil and gas, right? Like I was curious about it. I had no, I had no preconceived notions of whether or not, you know, of oil and gas being bad or good. Um, mm -hmm. I knew it was, I knew it was a commodity that was, you know, in, in high, in ultimately, you know, needed demand, right? It's like the world didn't function without it to, to a degree, but I didn't, I didn't really understand that. But in January of 2018, I was starting to do my job and I went to my first show in January and I came back and I, this is what I told my bosses. I told them, I was like, listen, everybody I've talked to in this industry, you know, there's, there's two things about them. One, they're all smarter than me. Um, and two, they, they have a really good nose for bullshit. Yeah. Right? Like they, they know, they know when you don't know what you're talking about. Same and with I didn't know what I was doing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Same with the Bitcoin community, right? Yeah. And, and I didn't know what I was talking about, right? At the end of the day, I didn't know oil and gas. So I told my boss, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm going to have a really hard time selling the software if I don't understand what the software really does, why it's, what value it's adding, what, is it, what does it mean to produce an oil well? Like, and thank God, you know, what was great is the bosses I had were, you know, they cared enough to groom me, and to teach me. So Rick, you know, one of the things he had me do is he had me actually start he, he taught me how to be a production accountant for an oil and gas operation. Um, we had a couple of customers where we were doing their production accounting as a service for mm -hmm. them every month. He gave all that responsibility to me. And for the first like four months, every, you know, we would sit, we, we would get all the data from the companies and we would sit down together and we would go through the software and we would talk through it and put it through, you know, put the information into the software system, build the reports, send them off to the regulators, send them off to the partners. And, you know, and by the way, like, after the second, third time I did that, um, and in combination, Rick, I mean, Rick spent tons of time, you know, my boss spent tons of time on a whiteboard talking me through what it means to drill a well. First of all, you don't dig a well, you drill a well, right? Like there's, you know, I, I was using, the, I'd use the wrong words, right? I, I sounded stupid. And so, you know, he taught me what words to use. He taught me why it mattered. Um, he taught me about horizontal fracking. He taught me about injection and, you know, why, you know, tubing, what, what's the difference between tubing pressure and casing pressure? And, you know, what's perforation, what's wireline. Um, I, I started to, he, he took the time to teach me this, this industry and, you know, got me off and running. And the more I learned about this industry, the more I fell in love with it. The more I learned about oil and gas, the more I realized the world, you know, there, there's one industry in this world and it's energy. Every other industry is built on top of it. Yeah. Um, I, I learned that really quick. And it was about, it was February of 2018 during that job when I, you know, I was sitting down in a, I had a, I had my own little corner office, right? You know, there was only like four people at this company. So mm. they, they, even though I was the new guy, they got, they gave me this nice big corner office, made me feel like a big shot, right? Um, gave me a nice big title, like, you know, director of marketing or something. I, I can't remember. I think it was director of marketing, um, and director of sales and marketing or something. And, you know, I was sitting there with two, three computer screens all day. And I remember seeing something on CNBC about uh, the Bitcoin mining death spiral, right? Um, and something about that terminology 
I, I had this thought to myself. I was like, you know, I mean, I had a really good friend that had tried to sell me on Bitcoin. Like I, I mentioned, I, I didn't take to it, but something about yeah. that article triggered in me. And I went, you know, I bet you that, and I, I thought Bitcoin was a scam, right? I was like, you know, I bet you that Bitcoin scam, <laughs> I bet you the people, I was like, I bet you the people that are perpetrating the scam, the people that are pulling the wool over the eyes of everyone else are the yeah. people producing it, right? So I went to go, after seeing that article, I went to go discover the intricacies of the scam. Because I figured if I studied how it was produced, I'd really, I'd quickly figure out the incentive structure and I'd figure out why it was a scam, right? And then I'd sure. be able to explain it to myself why I just missed the run up to 20,000 because that had just happened, right? Um, I, I'd be able to justify to myself why I didn't participate in that run up to 20,000, even though I knew about it when it was 200 and I could have 100x yeah. my savings, um, but I didn't because I was a fool. Um, and so I went, when I went to go learn about mining, um, upon understanding, and this was a concept I, I understood, but I hadn't really thought about, right? Like, it was, I mean, I kind of knew it as ba like kind of common sense, but I hadn't thought about how a computer or a, you know, a computer, which is a circuit, it's an electrical circuit, um, a computer cannot execute a function, um, even the most basic function, right? Like a hash. A computer cannot do that without at least some amount of energy, right? Even the most efficient computer that does quadrillions and trillions of, of executions, you take all those executions and you divide them by the, you know, the amount of energy used, it's non-zero, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it will approach zero, right? I mean, look at, look at the ASICs today, 22 watt per terahash, 21 watt per terahash. That is, un, that is approaching zero, right? It almost mm -hmm. takes zero energy to execute a single hash not um, it takes yeah well if, yeah i mean if you think about it a, a single terahash is one quadrillion hashes um and so take tw you know divide 22 watts by one quad okay, quadrillion yeah. right and <laughs> wow. so how much how many watts yeah how many watts do you need per hash it's a lot of zeros um it's yeah. like it's like seven of them like point seven zeros and then two two um and so like but once i understood that and then I read about, you know, the the supply schedule, how it was predetermined, how it didn't matter how many people were mining it, the same amount get produced. Um, and the difficulty, I mean, really the difficulty adjustment was a, was something that I really thought was profound a little bit later on. But mm. just understanding those mechanics in combination with the computational law, you know, the thermodynamic laws and how they relate to computer science. I mean, it, it clicked for me right there when I went, you know, holy shit, this is this is an open and transparent energy consumption market, right? Mm. Like this, this is an energy market. This is a free energy market. This is not, this is not a, a tech game. This is not about, you know, computers and, and, you know, GPUs and stuff. Those are, those are commodities. Those are just the tools. Those are the engines. Um, this is really an energy game right? because if you have, for, you know, cheap, the cheaper your energy, it doesn't really matter how special your tool is. You can compete. And, because I was doing production accounting for these oil and gas companies around Colorado and Wyoming and, and New Mexico, mm. I was literally, I was, I was looking at these numbers. I knew where guys were flaring, you know, thousands of MCF per day in the oil field. Right. And I mean, I had asked my boss, you know, why, why do people flare gas? Right. Like, uh -huh. It was one, something I was like, I was like, what's flare gas? He's like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's flare gas is when you waste blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember thinking like, man, like this, this guy over here is selling his gas. And he's making, you know, $3 an MCF. And this guy's yep. flaring a thousand MCF a day. He's, he's burning $3,000 a day. That's a, 
that's a million dollars a year. Yep. Like, like more than a million. It's, it's really more like it's like $1.2 million a year. My God. Um, uh, you was know, that, why are they wait, burning $1.2 million a year? Oh, you? You know. No, I mean, that, that was when I started, I got excited. I got excited. Yeah. I, I had the idea. I went, oh my God, like, has anybody thought to mine in the oil field? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I didn't know if that was a stupid idea because I didn't know how to calculate what it took to mine in the oil field. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the numbers. So that was the next step. Right. Then I, then I jumped in and I, so I, I was calling to these generator companies and I was asking them, Hey, you know, this generator, how much gas does it consume? You know? And, and, and they'd be like, well, are you running it at half load or full load or is it prime power? And I'm like, shit, I don't know what those words mean. So like I, I had to go figure out, you know, like I had to figure out generators. I had to figure out power generation um, using natural gas. And once I figured out that and I figured out the cost of these generators um, and how much, you know, how much gas it would take, I immediately realized, wow, a little bit of gas is a lot of power. It's a lot yeah. of computers. And I, I had already known, you know, when I got excited about mining, I went and bought um, I've got it over, on my, it's, it's hanging up on my wall. I, I went and bought an Antminer V9, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not many people know, not many people know about the V9. Um, they know about the S9. They don't know yeah. about the V9. The V9 is a unit that came out because, you know, the S9, you couldn't really run unless it was on 220 or 240 volt power, yeah. right? The V9 came out and you can run the V9 on a standard 120 outlet, gotcha. right? And so that's why I bought it because I was in an apartment. And I didn't, I didn't, and again, I was really, really power ignorant at this point in time, right? This is February, March of 20 or uh, yeah, 2018. And like, I was afraid of, you know, I was in an apartment. I was afraid of burning my place down. I was afraid of, you know, screwing something up or, or spending mm-hmm. money on a machine that, that then I plugged it in and it wouldn't work um, or I was going to have to spend a whole bunch of more money to, you know, and so, and I just wanted to, I wanted to tinker. I wanted, I wanted to set up a miner, do it myself. And like, you know, just experience that. And so I bought a V9 um, in this, in, in the process. So I already knew how to calculate Bitcoin earnings based upon hash rate. And I, I had been experiencing that. I had been mining for a, a few weeks. And so like I was seeing my rewards come in and I, I knew what, you know, PPLNS versus FPPS was, um, different payout methods by pools. And I, you know, I was getting acquainted with stuff. Um, I still wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't on Twitter yet. Um, mm. It, it just, I got drawn to Twitter because every time I'd go read an article about Bitcoin, there was always Twitter, there's Twitter posts in there and, and there'd be links that would bring me to Twitter. And yeah. it, I was like, I just started over time. I realized like Bitcoin apparently lives on Twitter. Um, but anyway, so once I figured out the, the numbers, I remember the day I figured out the numbers. Like I, I remember what I was wearing. And I ran the numbers and I went, holy shit, mining in the oil field is there's a massive opportunity here, right? If, if my numbers are correct, the oil and, and gas producers are going to mine Bitcoin. At that time, was anyone else doing that? Or were you guys like the pioneers? So, well, so, well, so I mean, first, I am no pioneer. I mean, let me, <laughs> I, I will be, now in that moment, I thought I was a pioneer. Okay. I, I literally thought, holy shit, I have an idea. And when I ran those numbers and they were, attractive right more attractive than a pipeline um especially for for oiling for certain oil wells where they had associated gas reliability gas waste gas and they were never going to build a pipeline right like the minimum the minimum cost of the pipeline was like you know 12 million dollars and they had 
50 MCF a day of gas, right? Mm -hmm. Which is maybe maybe 120, $150. Would you invest $12 million to make 150 bucks a day? No fucking way. No way you would, okay? Um, like you're, you're not gonna invest $12 million to make 33 grand a year. Like you're just not, right? Or 37 grand a year. Um, you, you're gonna burn the gas, right? That's economically stranded natural gas. That's, you know, people think, why do oil and gas companies burn the gas? They're so wasteful. They're, they don't care about the environment. No, no, no. They, they would, they have no option, right? Like either they, and the oil is valuable, right? And there's still 10 barrels of oil coming out of this well every day. So there's, you know, $700 a day. So right there, that's a $300,000 a year operation, but I'm not going to spend 12 million to make 120 bucks a day. I'm just going to, you know, build a flare stack and burn it. And so, you know, it's a cost, it's a cost of producing the oil. And so I, I really quickly, I saw with Bitcoin mining that, you know, for these, you know, less than 200 MCF a day operations, even sometimes more, but less than 300 MCF a day operation oil wells, this was, a viable option. And, and the numbers were like, you ROI and like, you know, depending upon Bitcoin's price, you know, eight to eight to 18 months, right? Where a That's pipeline different. is usually like, right. you know, yeah, pipelines like four years or 10 yeah. years, right? And so it's like, you know, this is all of a sudden an attractive way to maybe do this. So I started Googling. Um, I started looking for anybody else talking about this. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, honestly, I mean, I, when I was Googling, I was searching, I, I couldn't find anything really, right? Like I, I was having a hell of a time finding anything in February, March of 2018. And I, and, and that, that was a daunting feeling. I remember it being like, it, as much as it was exciting, it was scary because it was like, holy crap, what if I am one of the first people to think about this? I have to go do something with it, right? Like mm-hmm. otherwise someone, somebody else is going to go do it. And I'm going to hate myself <laughs> for not having cha- chased this idea because I had it before them, right? But inevitably, so I had set up some Google alerts um, around, uh, you know, Bitcoin mining with oil and gas in the, in the, you know, you can set up Google alerts with different um, search words, right, with different uh, keywords. And I'd done like oil and gas, Bitcoin, flare, Bitcoin. Um, and I got pinged one day on an email. I was, I was on my way to work in my car and my phone dinged. And it said that like an article or something had come up and I clicked on it and I saw the name upstream data. Um, it was, it was something Steve Barber had written, um, or he had been interviewed. I can't remember, but it was about this company in Canada that was building Bitcoin mines in the oil field. It had started, they started in like the app, like right at the end of 2016, January 1st of 2017 is when Steve started upstream data. Mm. And, um, my, you know, all the blood drained out of my, my body. Right. I, I probably went ghost white in my car. I went, oh, my God. Like this was this was that moment where I was like, oh, my God, somebody's doing this idea that I had, you know, yeah. and, I, and then I re- read the article. And I realized, holy shit, this guy had the idea a year and a half ago. Um, and so I, the first thing I did when I got to work is I threw up the email and I sent an email to the sales at Upstream Data um, email address, you know, and I and I just poured my guts out. Right. I was like, I think what you're doing is the future. <laughs> um, you know, I think you're going to change the world. All, all every oil and gas producer is going to be mining. I'd love to get on a phone call with you. Um, and you know, I just kind of, it was a, it was a cold email and Steve Barber emailed me back and he was really nonchalant. He was like, yeah, man, I, I let's hop on a call, you know, in the next week. And I got, you know, I I'm jumping through the roof. Uh, meanwhile, I had gone and told my bosses uh, about this idea. And when I told them about this idea, I mean, I, the way I phrase it is, and this is honest. I mean, they open mouth laughed in my face. 
Okay, like it's as if you told him something. They, I can hear my boss. He leans back in his chair and he puts his hand on his, and he's. I could see his molars in his mouth. Right, he's laughing. Yeah, I remember right in my face. Back then, okay. though, like Bitcoin was not taken seriously. I think it really evolved over the last oh, couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely, right. And, yeah. and it just crashed from twenty thousand. It was down to like seven thousand. Right, yeah. so it was down like sixty five percent from its twenty thousand, you know, peak. Um, and it was only at 20,000 for like three days or something. And, and I don't even know if it hit 20,000. I think it was like 19,600 or something. Yeah. It was, it was only up there for like a minute. And so, yeah, it was not taken seriously. And, and by the way, I don't, I don't hold anything against my, my old bosses, um, in regards to this, right? Like from their perspective, I just entered the oil and gas industry three months ago and I'm coming to them with a solution to a hundred plus year old problem of, of, <laughs> you know, str economically stranded gas. And my yeah. solution is this magic internet money. It, yeah. it was funny. Like, honestly, it was funny to them. Like, and, and if I was them, I would have laughed too. Um, I was, the thing was, is I was too ignorant. I was, I was green enough. I wasn't, because I wasn't an oil and gas veteran and such, it didn't sound stupid to me. Right. I mean, it didn't, I mean, what my boss had told me is that there had been plenty of um, guys who had come across, you know, come along and just solve this problem of gas using these deep hole salt mines to store gas. And then these, mm. you know, LN, LNG is, you know, liquid liquefied natural gas is yep. effectively one of these. But with, but again, scale with LNG, scale really matters. If you don't have tons of the gas, it, it does not make sense to build an LNG facility and, you know, liquefy the natural gas and ship it across an ocean to, you know, Belgium so that they can take the power right there from the boat, right? And so, right. Um, like, this was just another thing that was probably, you know, it was a wild hair bullcrap idea, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't get rid of it. Every time I went to conferences, you know, I talked to somebody, I try to sell them software. And if they weren't, a, if they weren't somebody that was going to buy our software, you know, I wouldn't just like stop talking to them. Like, you know, you keep the conversation going, but I immediately would have to start talking about flare gas, you know, and, and I learned really quickly that guys in the oil and gas, you know, up, upstream producers are very standoffish, or at least they were at that time you know, mm -hmm. to strangers asking them about their flare gas, you know, they thought like I was like an EPA. Yeah. I was gonna say the environment. Right? right. Yeah. Like I was like, an and I, you know, I'm like, Hey, you got any flare gas? You know, like I was all <laughs> excited. Um, and they're like, you know, like, what do you, yeah. What do you, why, you know? And, yeah. um, and, and then I would tell them about Bitcoin mining and they would laugh in my face. Um, literally my boss has told me to stop talking about it. Be and this was at Nate. They told me to stop bringing it up because it was making us look bad. Right. Um, and I hated that when they said that to me, I hated that. And again, yeah. all, all it made me do is it made me think, okay, am I, am I, am I that wrong? Right. Is this guy in Canada that wrong? Um, and I would just go back to the numbers and I'd go back to Bitcoin and I'd, and I'd reevaluate and I'd run them again. And, and I'm, I'm like, either I am that wrong or I'm that right. And mm -hmm. I did get on the phone with Steve Barber. And when I talked, when I, he was the first person at me talking to him was like, it was like, I took, it was like, I finally got a breath of fresh air after, you know, four months of getting laughed at because, yep. you know, I, I would shoot him and I, I would say to him, like, I really think this is going to disrupt all upstream operations that have liability and, you know, flare gas. And he'd be like, oh, no, yes, it absolutely is going to disrupt them. Um, the economics makes sense, you know, certainly. And like he, he would he was he was miles. He was he was light years ahead of me. Right. And, mm -hmm. and understanding how this was going to incorporate. He was a petroleum engineer. He'd worked in oil and gas already for years. He you know, Steve's got down whole patents and, you know, he really understood the game. I, again, I was at month six of being in this industry and while I was obsessed and while I'm a quick learner, you know, I was light years behind him. And so talking yeah. to him was, 
it was like the greatest thing ever. So, you know, I begged him in that moment, you know, in, in regards for this podcast and that right there on that call, I remember asking for a job. You know, I asked him if, if that was something that would be possible. I begged him. I mean, I told him, you know, I, I gave him every reason to give me one. And yeah. he told me no. Right? He said, I mean, he was too small. And, you know, Steve's one thing I absolutely, you know, admire about the guy is, you know, yes, everybody's driven by by economics and by profit. But Steve, you know, when you're on a Bitcoin standard, you start to realize like, hey, you know, I I, I should be OK. Right. And so if you're not if you're not driven by greed, then what starts, you know, and then once you're you're comfortable enough and if you, you know, like Steve has a skill set where he could go get a job at a big oil and gas company like they'd be idiots not to hire him. He's, mm. He could always go get a, a nice, you know, salary job and be useful. And um, so he, you know, even though he's taking this risk with, he, he, you know, he, he risked everything to start upstream data, you know, he's more driven by, you know, building something that, that is the best and competing um, and, and being better, you know, building an oil and gas service company that, that will actually thrive and compete because we're on a Bitcoin standard. Um, we'll be able to go, you know, make products just as good or even better than guys that are already doing it. And we have Bitcoin. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to be, we're, we're going to have this, you know, turbo charge to our treasury. Um, and, and he's principled. He told me right there on the call, he's like, you know, and when I start hiring guys, I'm probably going to start here in Canada, like locally. Hmm. Um, I'm going to hire a, sale, you know, it'd be a Canadian sales guy because it'll make sense for me to start um, expanding in Canada, um, you know, with customers around here, you know, this is still really early. You know, we're still upstream data at that point. I don't, I don't know how many employees Steve had or if he had any. I know he was renting. I think he was renting maybe one or two bays in a workshop. Um, so he didn't even have, you know, a facility. He was renting a couple of bays in a workshop. And so, um, so then he, he, he wouldn't hire me. So then I asked him if I could invest. I was like, okay, well, will you take my money? Can I get some equity? And he, he wasn't, he wasn't looking to sell equity either. Um, you know, this, I couldn't get anything from this guy. Um, the third thing was I, I asked him if I could be a customer, right? I was like, Hey, do you know any oil and gas producers that have some flare gas, but they're not willing to take the risk? I'll come take the risk. I'll go raise the capital. I'll buy one of your systems. Yep. Let you know, I'll go buy some oil and gas producers gas from him for nothing for 25 cents an MCF. And I'll turn around and I'll make $4 an MCF with it. Mm -hmm. And that that'll be and and you know I'll pay you to you know it, it's almost like a hosting contract but it's more like rather than hosting my ASICs host my engine on this oil and gas site right go take care of my my gen set and yeah, yeah. the ASICs but the ASICs is not a really big deal um, I'll pay upstream data to to do the oil changes and, and maintenance and stuff and he was he was keen for that he was looking for customers right that that was something that he was about and so. Then I had a mission, right? The second I, I got off that phone call, my mission was, okay, I need to raise capital so that I can participate in upstream data. At least that way I'll have, I'll gain the credibility, right? I will, I'll be able to prove these numbers. And that way, when I go out to people in the oil and gas industry and they laugh at me, I'll go, yeah, that's kind of funny. But look here, for the last six months, I've been making $4 an MCF. Yeah, buying it for, you know, exactly. And, and then mm -hmm. I, wanted to I wanted to shut up their laughter, right? I mean, I wanted to prove, I wanted to prove to them that this, this was funny, but it wasn't really that funny. Um, it was yep. more exciting than it was funny. And so um, that set me off on a course. It took me about 10, 11 months to raise the capital. I didn't need much, but I raised about, I raised about 125 grand, okay. um, 45 or 50 of that went to upstream data for a um, small, small Bitcoin mining operation. Yep. And the rest of it, I yolo I yoloed into Bitcoin and where, where I got the capital was, 
you know, through my, my dad. So my dad uh -huh. and I are 50, 50 partners in a, in a company that we, we call stranded energy investments. Uh -huh. Um, and you know, honestly, I mean, Steve and I did this on a handshake deal, right? Like we never, I never, we never signed any contract. I mean, I sent, now, I did fly up. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I flew up to Canada, uh, before I, before I sent him any money, I flew up to Canada. Um, that was in 2019, early 2019. I flew up to Canada. Huh. Um, I drove out to Lloydminster and I, I saw his shop. I made sure he was a real guy. You know, I wanted, I wanted to feel him out. Like, you know, it was almost, it was almost too good to be true. Right. He was a very right. straight shooter. He was, he seemed to me to be very honest and have high integrity, but those are the best scammers. Right. Um, and so before I sent the guy five figures of, of capital, especially, you know, my family's money, I'm taking risks yeah. with my dad. Yeah. I, I wanted to go shake his, you know, let's, let's spend a thousand dollars to send me up to Canada. And so I went up there with a really trusted business associate of mine um, and met Steve in person toured. And at that point, I think he had like three or four bays now in this, you know, he was renting out half of this building um, to build, you know, his, his own, his own mini cubes at, at the time. Um, and I got in on, I think on, I think it was his, his first batch of 10 or his second batch of 10 Bitcoin mining units. I, I was in the same batch, I think with, uh, with Russell Okung, if you know who mm. Russell Okung is, yeah. Yeah, um, the, the, yeah, the football player. So Russell Okung been a customer of Shugetti. He's talked about that before. Mm. Um, it was Russell Okung, you know, Steve needed like an order of 10 units before he could justify really doing it, right. Getting the materials right. and everything else. And you know, I, I, Russell was in there. I think one other guy and I helped fill the order. And so boom, like then we pulled the trigger. We sent Steve money. Um, initially we, I didn't buy the engine. Um, I told Steve, I would, I would lease the engine from him. But then mm -hmm. after the first month I went, I went to my dad and I said, you know, dad, let's just buy this motor. I was like, let's buy this motor. It'll be an asset on hand. It'll depreciate. Like let's, you know, it's an extra 10 grand or something. Let's go do that. And yeah. we had the cash for it. Um, and so we did that and started mining Bitcoin. Um, you know, we had 500, 600 terahash or whatever in the oil field. Uh, and at that point I, you know, I had moved into a, I was, I went and got a job at this, this radio station, but I mean, I don't even really want to talk about that because I, I was, I was never there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't ever there mentally because yeah. I, I was obsessed with this. Um, I worked there for like six or seven months cause I needed the money to help raise for this project. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to show my dad, I'll bring as much capital as I can. Um, and I, and I been saving in Bitcoin by that point. Right. So I saved up a, a fair amount of money, you know, like, you know, I, I, I think like 12 or 15,000 bucks or something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I was willing to risk it. And, um, once I was working at that, that company, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't work a fiat corporate job anymore. Right. Knowing knowing that one, I was proving this thing in the oil field, this guy at upstream data was doing this thing, knowing that this, this groundbreaking innovation was shattering this, the, the biggest industry probably on earth, the oil and gas industry. I mean, maybe behind, you know, tech, right. With the valuations of Apple and stuff. But I mean, knowing that that's going on and then trying to do the job I had in this radio, you know, I was like doing ad sales and, and ad scripts and stuff. I, I, I was miserable. I mm -hmm. mean, every day was like, I was, it, it, it was, I was like, it was like, you know, it was like trying to, it's like trying to drink salt water. Um, that's, that's what it was like trying to work there. I, I, yeah. And literally, I mean, I didn't, I didn't plan to quit the day I quit. I was just sitting there and my boss had been an ass and about, you know, something small or whatever, you know, about, you know, something I did or didn't do. And I literally would just, I went to my, I looked at my desk at one point, like I looked at the cubicle next to me and I was like, 
I'm fucking done today. <laughs> and, I, and I had no plan. Yeah. I just quit. Right. And again, I had a girlfriend, I had rent, I had, I had bills. I had no, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I would just, I had it up to here. That was my, I, I met my line. I'm out. Right. Um, which was probably stupid. Right. I think, I think everybody would say that that was foolish. Yeah. I didn't care. I'd rather be a fool than come back here one more day. And so I had to figure out how, Oh shit, how do I go make money now? Um, so the thing I knew I could do is, you know, I called Steve again and I asked him for a job again. And he again told me that he wasn't looking to hire some random kid out of Colorado, even if I was one of his customers, even if I was passionate. Um, and so I went, okay, well, how, you know, one thing I can do is, is maybe try to bring you customers. Right. And Steve was like, oh, absolutely. He goes, Hey, if you bring me a customer, I'll give you a kickback. Like, hey, you, you bring me somebody and they, yeah, and they spend 50 grand or 100 grand with us. Like, you know, Steve was like, I'll, I'll give you something fair, right? I'll, I'll kick you back a little, like a commission. He's like, but I just can't pay you a salary and stuff. And when he said that, I was like, and I, and I asked him, I was like, can I tell them that, you know, I'm associated with upstream data? You know, can I tell them that, yeah. like, you know, you and I know each other kind of a thing, right? I mean, I'm a big Steve Barber fan, right? I'm a big fan of my boss. Um, and so, you know, I admire the guy and what he's done. And so when he said, yeah, I was, I mean, I was Bugs Bunny on the moon, man. I was, you know, oh, I was slamming the phone i was hitting mm. i was hitting up oil and gas producer after i started my own little consultancy stranded energy consultants um and and i started hitting all these guys up and man you've 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 never you've never been rejected like the way i got rejected making these phone calls yeah and trying to talk to oil and gas hey yeah you guys got player gas yeah you know I, I think i can i think i got a way in which you know you can monetize it click right yeah <laughs> the word bitcoin comes out of my mouth click um, I was, it was rough. I mean, I was yeah. rolling with a lot of punches, but I pushed. And one thing I had done is I went and I had gotten on Twitter and that was huge. Um, you know, this and is, what was this, this? Is, what year? I got on Twitter, August of 2018, actually. So I got on okay. Twitter right after I talked to Steve, even before I, you know, was a customer of his. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I was kind of like interacting with Bitcoin. I was still learning, right. I was still learning about hardware wallets. I was still learning about things and. You know, I came at it from this mining perspective, right? I didn't, you know, I, I didn't really even, you know, consider Bitcoin as a sound money, as a sound commodity. I just saw it as a, as an autonomous energy consumption market, as a tool to rescue stranded energy, right? And monetize globally stranded energy, no matter where it came from. I knew the oil field had a lot of it. And so yeah. like it, it being a sound commodity and, and comparing it to fiat and things like having sovereign custody of it, just by knowing 24 words, those things came to me later, right? Those, they, they came to me after I was already excited. Like I was already sold on Bitcoin because I knew somewhere in the world that this thing was going to be incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. The rest of it almost didn't matter to me. Um, and that was all the cherry on top, right? When I started learning about that stuff, it would just, it would just reinforce, you know, my, my commitment to, holy crap, this thing is, this is insane. This is the hardest money ever, right? And so getting on Twitter was huge though, right? I mean, we're, this is, in terms of like advice and, what I always tell people, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how'd you, you know, what'd you do? One of the biggest things is I started talking about what I was passionate about and what was cool about this time. And then this is why I have a big following on Twitter today, right? I didn't go, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a nobody. I mean, you just heard my story. I'm, I'm some guy that got excited, you know, that, that failed in Northern California, came back bruised and, 
fell ass backwards into oil and gas and then got really excited about something. Yeah. Um, the reason I, the reason I've gotten you know popular on Twitter and, and in this space is because the FUD about Bitcoin mining, you know, being bad for the environment and using too much energy had really just started. And okay. that's because mining mining had really gotten into ASICs. Hash rate was like starting to get big. Like, you know, we didn't hit a single exahash, I think, until like 2017, um, 20, maybe 2016. We're at 350 yeah, exahash today, right? Yeah. yeah right. So like, and that, that's a result mainly of technological advancements of the, of the hardware, right? Of these right. ASICs behind me. But still, you know, if articles were getting written about Bitcoin and, and the ones that were getting written were about Bitcoin, you know, using too much energy and destroying the planet and it's CO2, blah, blah, blah. And when this was happening on Twitter, the, those good Bitcoiners, the ones that I know, you know, Dylan LeClaire, um, Joe Rogers, um, Neil, <laughs> Neil, a uh, Ronin miner. Yeah. Uh, God, I mean, a freaking Hall Tarantula. Um, Hall Tarantula, I guess I met a little bit later, but those guys, you know, there was a lot of them that would come, Nick Carter, even, you know, as much as he's not in great standing or whatever, but like his argument would, their argument about Bitcoin being bad for the mind, they'd come in and they'd say, well, you know, look at the U.S. dollar. Look at the environmental impact of the U.S. dollar and the military industrial complex. And, mm -hmm. you know, what is the, what is the environmental impact of printing this much money and, and, and protecting the Federal Reserve? And, and by the way, that's a pretty good argument, right? Like, I'm not going to say that. And what, what's the environmental impact of gold mining? Um, right. They, they came with some, it was still a fair argument, but it wasn't a great, it, it just, it wasn't a sexy argument and it, mm -hmm. it did not put, it didn't put the FUD down. It was too, it was too nuanced and, you know, it, it vilified the United States and the military industrial complex. And it sounded kind of conspiratorial, even though it's totally legitimate. Um, and then I started participating, right? When I started seeing this, I'd come in and I'd say, Hey, by the way, I'm mining and my carbon you know, by your standards, my CO2 impact is so negative yeah. that on a dollar denominated basis, mining Bitcoin in the oil field, and I, this is true today, mining Bitcoin in the oil field is the most impactful environmental initiative, environmental investment to sequester CO2 um, from the atmosphere available on Earth today, right? And that's how, you know, if you, somebody is doing a charity, like, hey, donate some money for every $100,000 you donate, we sequester X amount of CO2 from you know, right. the atmosphere. Bitcoin mining the oil field is the absolute most efficient means by which capital uh, means to sequester emissions into the atmosphere. No doubt. Um, so I came in and I had, and I showed videos and I had pictures and I would tag upstream data. You were in the field. Right? So I come in. Yeah. I'd, oh yeah. So I was, and I, you know, somebody would write an article and I mean, and I had, I had all these alerts set for, you know, anything with Bitcoin and environment. And I, I immediately get on, oh, really? You think it's bad for the environment? Well, right now, I, I just took a bunch of, up in Canada, I took a bunch of yeah. vented methane, by the way. Like, that's where my Bitcoin mine was. My Bitcoin mine was on a vent source um, where they're, they're not even burning the gas. They're just spewing it into the yeah. air. That's like, like, I'm like, literally, so, yeah. CO2. Oh, yeah, well, and, and methane is like, yeah, methane is 60 times heavier as a gas yeah. than CO2. Mm -hmm. So, so by, and by the way, I mean, this is kind of, in my opinion, I don't think it's, it's really all that big of it. I mean, CO2, I don't think isn't, is anything to worry about. Methane, good to sequester, um, but it also has a really short half-life. So it dissipates yeah. in the atmosphere. Yeah. When, and when methane dissipates, it turns into literally CO2 and water. So, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, like, you know, using their argument, I'd come in and I'd say, oh, well, this engine that I'm running is consuming 15,000 cubic feet of methane every day. That's like 100,000 cubic feet of CO2 
every day. And by the way, it's making me money. I invested this much and I'm earning this. So this thing is economically sustainable. I don't need to go, you know, wine and dine with VCs and have them keep giving me money so that I can yeah. keep cleaning the environment. This thing cleans the environment. You know, this is the Roomba of the atmosphere, um, a nuclear powered Roomba effectively, right? And, and, and by the way, this is going to incentivize other oil and gas producers to be cleaner and they don't need a single regulator to come in. They don't need a fine. They are going to be economically incentivized to mitigate their emissions because the return is attractive enough that they'll bring the capital to the table. Yeah. And that was my argument. And my argument was way better than the you know military industrial complex. And I started getting retweets and follows and people started getting really excited about it. And Steve even noticed, but I was still at this point, you got to remember, I was still Denver Bitcoin. I was I was an anon. Right. I didn't I didn't really want anybody to know my name. I wanted to show them, yeah, like I'm doing this, I'm participating in this, but I didn't put my name on it. Um, I was still very, you know, I was really private. I'm still a really private person. Yeah. Um, and you're not officially on like the upstream data team yet, right? No, 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 not at all. And I, no, not at all. Um, but after, you know, by, by mid 2020, I had kicked Steve a couple of customers where, mm. you know, I, I, Unbeknownst to me, I, I, you know, for the most part, where Steve was hearing about people, you know, people would call him and be like, yeah, I saw this thing on Twitter from this Denver Bitcoin guy, and it's really, it looks interesting, right? And he kept hearing Denver Bitcoin stuff. There, I, I still can go back and look. I mean, I could, I could pull over my computer. Mm. I sent Steve a DM at one point back in 2020, I believe, on Twitter. I sent him a DM and I was like, hey, man. Uh, and I asked him a question that, you know, if, it, if I was a stranger, um, he would never answer, right? It was like a little personal. I asked him something about the company, right? And like, he didn't answer. And like two days later I went, oh, by the way, I'm Adam, I'm your customer from Colorado, right? You know, the one, like we met back here. And yeah. when he, like immediately Steve followed me, he's like, oh, what's up, man? He's like, oh no. And then he answers my question. Um, and you know, we got on the phone and he had told me that he's like, you know, dude, like keep shilling, like, like it's, you know, you're getting some traction and stuff. Um, and then end of, you know, mid, 2020 to the end of 2020, uh, I know for a fact I'd brought Steve some serious business. Right. I had, I had been, I'd, I'd been doing podcasts. I'd been talking with people, and the only company I, you know, there was other companies that there are a couple other companies that were doing this, but the only one that I felt comfortable shilling was was Upstream Data because I had I had worked with them personally, and Steve was somebody I honestly felt like I could recommend, mm. and people wouldn't go get screwed. And so, um, you know, then I. In 2021, it was it was January, like I think it was January 12th um, of 2021. I called Steve because I needed a job. Hmm. I really needed a job. Remember, I hadn't had a job since like end of 2019. So I was like, I was like, commission checks, right? Oh no, I no, I didn't collect any commission checks from Steve. None. Oh really? You're just giving a business. I was burning. I was burning savings. I have a little landscaping side gig. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I'm always, I've always been really good money. And so like I, I was burning my savings just to live um, yeah. and not be, not be miserable in a job I hated and, and to yeah. try to chase this dream. I chased it. It literally took me about 10, 11 months. And I called Steve in January. I remember, I, again, I can remember where I was standing um, in, in my bedroom and I went, Hey man, I want to ask you again. This is, you know, the third or fourth time <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you, you know, is there any way you can hire me? You know, can you, can you pay me something? Like I'll do, I'll, I, you know, I'll, you already know that I'm shilling you hard. Like you see me on Twitter. Um, and, and I started, I started to gain a little bit of a following in, you know, mid 2020 to the end mm -hmm. of 2020. 
Um, and that's when I started to like, people started to really take notice and it started getting, mining started to get sexy right at the yeah. end of 2020, right? Yeah. Bitcoin mining, especially in the oil field, it started to become this sexy, you know, VC topic and stuff. Um, and so I was getting interviews and I remember Steve, what he said, he's like, he's like, yeah, man, I meant to call you a couple of weeks ago and hire you because I've had a bunch of customers come this way saying that they heard about us from, from you. Right. From, uh, and he, and like from some guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, I, so it was taught me proof of work in a way. Right. Like, I mean, I, I, and, and because I didn't, I honestly didn't care about getting a commission. I, I wanted it because I needed it. Like I needed money and, and it would be much nicer to not burn some Bitcoin savings. But all right. I really wanted to do was be useful yeah. in this, in this game. Right. And, and be, be somebody that could, you know, bring more value to the company than I would extract. Right. right. Um, and so right then, I, I mean, obviously I was jumping off the walls and he was like, let's, he's like, let's talk in a week or whatever. We'll get you started in February um, of 2021. And, you know, we'll get you, he's like, you know, I think we'll start you with a small base salary. Like, this is what I do with everybody. You know, certainly mm -hmm. he's like, certainly you're my first like remote guy. I've never hired an American before. So I've got to hire you as a contractor. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's like, but he's like, I'll treat, you know, you're an employee in my eyes, but technically you're a contractor because, you know, the issues hiring somebody in another country and all, you know, tax issues and blah, blah. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, but I'll start, to, you know, he started me at a real, I didn't care. I mean, if he, if he, he, what he told me, I'd have taken a fourth of it. Right. I mean, I'd have taken 200 bucks a month and then, you know, I mean, I'd have taken nothing. Um, I, I was already doing this for the last 10 months for free. Like, I mean, this was a step up. Right. Um, but I was more official then, you know, and, and one thing I had, I had always kind of made a deal with myself was, if I break into this game, if I get an official title, um, I mean, upstream data was my number one job that I wanted to get. Right. Yep. Um, I also, I also interviewed with easy blockchain. Um, they ghosted me on the, on the final interview, the, the founder and the president, I was supposed to meet with three of them. There was three guys. I showed up to the, to the call and they, you know, they had given me all like the thumbs up that we were, they were going to hire me that this was like two weeks before I called Steve and they go, none of them showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so then I emailed them, ne never got a response from them. Those are they still around? I, I don't know. Huh. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I know that there's. A, there, I know there's at least one guy that is in, was involved with them that still come. You know, is at conferences and is still in this yeah. game. I don't really know what who he works for and what capacity. Um, but either way, like I, I almost went to work for Easy Blockchain. Um, they were on my list. Upstream Data was the top. Um, you know uh, what was it? Marty Bentz, uh, what, what was that? Great American Mining was one that yeah. I, you know, um, and you know, Easy Blockchain was on there, and so I almost took there. I would have taken that if they would have offered me that. I would have taken it, um, mm -hmm. probably right. And then I'd have been out there shilling Easy Blockchain, and it would have been. A nice, and honestly, like it, it wouldn't have gone well because I, I don't. I mean, they're certainly not upstream data. Um, but thank God Steve hired me, um, and from that moment, right, I just took off running. One of the one of the best things I did was the moment, the second I got hired, I wanted to try to go make a big splash, right? I was like, okay, mm -hmm. well now I got, now I'm, now I am officially an upstream data employee and I can talk from the, the perspective of the company. Yeah. Um, and I can, you know, I can share. So the first thing I did was I went and hit up the, the Bitcoiners that I, you know, admired the most um, and that I listened to the most in terms of podcasts and content. And the one that was the biggest was Max Kaiser. I shot mm -hmm. Max Kaiser a note. I said, Hey man, I'm, we're doing this awesome stuff in the oil field. You know, I'm with this company upstream data. Any chance you could have me on your, you know, your orange pill podcast. 
And Max Kaiser literally hit me back in like five minutes. He was like, yeah, let's do it this month. Like two <laughs> weeks. So like two weeks later, I got on the Orange Pill podcast with Max and Stacy. Um, I got a recording of Stacy saying that if you don't have an upstream data Bitcoin mine, you must have a micro penis. Um, <laughs> so I've got that for all eternity that I can clip go. and share whenever I want. Um, and, and then that, you know, and this one, by the way, since 2021, Bitcoin is the sexiest thing ever. Yeah, it's going bonkers. We're run, yeah, we're running up to 69K. Guys in yeah. the oil field are making $30 in MCF. The pipeline's mm. paying them five. They're making mm. 30 mining Bitcoin. They're making 6X mining Bitcoin. Um, you know, my phone, I mean, I was sleeping two and a half hours a night because I, I loved my job so much and I had so much to do and so much to talk about and so much to write about. And think about. Literally the year 2021 felt like, it feels like a dream. Yeah. Like the, the whole, I mean, the, the Bitcoin conference I went to in Miami is the first yeah. time I'd been to a Bitcoin conference. Um, and it was insane. Steve was, you know, on Steve got to speak. So I got to, and that was only like a month after I got hired. So I got to go watch, you know, my new boss, you know, get yeah, interviewed and stuff real. on stage. And mm. yeah, it was all, I mean, it was totally surreal. So like, I, I, I didn't have a plan, man. I, I don't, I, for your listeners and stuff, I had no, this, what I knew was this in the information age, this, what, what's new about this world that's different from our parents, at least I think it's substantially different is reputation is, is a currency. Yep. Right. Brand. Um, and it, well, brand is like, that's, that's a little influencer for my I mean, like personal like, brand I, and that, that, yeah, you're, your that's fair. Reputation. I mean, I mean, I everybody has a personal brand or whatever. I mean, yeah. I guess, but like more for me, it was more, I, I would, I would look at it as reputation. And what I knew about the Bitcoin mining space, especially because I was dealing with ASICs, right? I mean, I had, and you know, something I didn't really mention was I was buying and selling ASICs on eBay and stuff back even middle and late 2018, mm. something where I found. I was like, oh man, these guys over here are selling ASICs really cheap. And on eBay, they're listed at these crazy prices. So I was buying some here and I was selling them here. And, yeah. You know, I was, yeah, I was trying to make Bitcoin right again. I was, you know, I didn't have a great job and I knew I wanted to get out of it. And, yeah. and so like, and, and I wanted to play with miners. So I buy them and I tinker with them and then I, I'd run them until they sold. I'd, you know, I'd literally be mining with the thing and then it would sell on eBay and I'd it up and ship right. it off to the guy. Right. Um, and so like, you know, I, I, something I knew about the ASIC game was that it is very, it was very scammy at the time, right? There was a lot of people where, I mean, I, I have countless stories of guys sending, you know, a hundred grand to somebody and sometimes nothing shows up. Yeah. Sometimes a pallet shows up and literally be a pallet full of, of, of cinder blocks just so that it would make weight. Right. right. Um, just so that, you know, and then so that they could give him a tracking number and, and the guy actually thought he was getting his, you know, ASIC. He, he sees yeah. the weight is 218 really pounds. Like pre 2020, right? I mean, it's still not rare today. There's, you oh, know, okay. it's just that people, people were, yeah. I mean, like pre 2020, there was more ignorance to it. And so yeah. the opportunity to scam people yeah. was greater. Right. Um, so I knew that there was, I mean, I, I had a list of people that don't deal with these people. Like, you know, people, I, I'm in a ton of telegram chats and signal yeah. chats. You know, I, I, I was, you know, reaching as far as I could into this space and, and trying to make my impact and trying to soak up as much information as I could. Mm. And one thing I knew was, you know, if you, if you burn somebody, even just one guy, I mean, that could be it. Yeah. That goes for companies too. I mean, you probably, I mean, I'm sure you could list a couple of companies that, you know, I mean, there's companies out there that burn people, especially when it comes mm -hmm. to mining. Yeah. Um, and my I God, it's, it's a cost. It's a costly thing to do. Yeah. You know, this is not a, so reputation, my, my own personal reputation 
even before, you know, upstream data, I knew if I built a really good reputation and I was somebody that was helpful and credible, and I was somebody that was, you know, I had the experience, right? I'd actually run, you know, how does, you know, who's to say that this guy actually knows the numbers of what, what it means to mine in the, in the Bitcoin, you know, in the oil field. Well, I know the numbers because because I've actually taken the risk, mm. right? I've actually spent the capital mm. and done this. Um, I know what this looks like, and so, like that gave me credibility. That allowed you know that gave me confidence to go talk about these things because now I actually could talk about the numbers. I knew them, right? I mean, so you know, all of that fed into me being useful for upstream data, right? And and but I was just chasing being useful. I just wanted to be valuable and and bring you know add value to this really disruptive industry and technology yeah it was i prayed to god that steve would hire me one day and thank god mm-hmm. he did um mm-hmm. and, and it's you know i still are right now i'm the only u.s employee um of upstream data i believe um as far as i understand i, I am um and i mean we've had a couple of other u.s employees but currently um, i'm the only one and so I think I was the first. I, I got. I mean, I I was very early. We the company was still, you know, even beginning of 2021, the company was still quite small, right? And we yeah. we grew like we grew a lot in 2021 um, and, and 2022. Um, and so, you know, where we're at today is my God, it's it's a whole different company from when I started, even right, just just two and a half years ago or 27 right. months ago. Um, but this was just pure proof of work, right? And and an obsession, right? I mean, this was the. I, there was almost no outcome where I didn't end up doing this because this is all I wanted to do. And I was right. going to do it until somebody finally was going to pay me enough that I could sustain it. I mean, I guess at some point had I not gotten hired, I would have, it would have just been my side Twitter thing to talk about. And maybe I would do some podcasts, but like really, but then other guys would catch up and be more credible than me, be better to talk to than me. Um, right. And, you know, Steve would hire somebody and then they'd be better to talk to. Um, and so I just stood on the gas pedal until, you know, and Steve, when he hired me, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, the, the second Steve hired me, I mean, I was living in an apartment with my sister actually uh. at the time, literally the, the, the night he hired me, I, I started packing my shit. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> to, to, you know, I was out, I'm, I'm out tomorrow. Uh, and I, I, I'm moving to another apartment. Um, cause I can finally, now I can, okay, I can afford it. Right. Yeah. Um, or even if. Or at least if I even if I have to dip into savings, I don't have to dip into much savings, right? Um, and so, like, I, love, I absolutely was, love this story yeah. to be honest, because like you go from basically rejection after rejection after rejection, and then you thought to yourself, how can I provide value to this person I want to work for? Uh, and then, uh, yeah, proof of work really just showed that you are a viable candidate and you can provide value in this space. So that led to you getting a yeah. opportunity. So consistency. No, I was. Like, all these yeah, things. I was not, I was not going to be discouraged. Right. I mean, and by the way, I was, there was many a time that I was discouraged, right. It's easy for me to think about the talk about the good stuff and, and the triumph. Right. Yeah. Um, it was ve- 2018, 2019, especially when I had no job for 10 months. I mean, my parents thought I was effing insane. Right? They, they almost wanted to like commit <laughs> me to, you know, this was, and this was very out of character for me. Yeah. Right? I've always been somebody that works. I always have, you know, like I never went 10 months without a job or income, yeah. right? My God, I'm going to college. Like, I'm, I'm, I've always been pretty responsible. Um, you know, my parents think are thinking I'm on drugs. Um, I'm, I'm, I've joined this cult. Mm. You know, they're telling me, well, you know, sometimes Adam, Adam, sometimes you got to go work a job you don't like. You know, sometimes people have to work in jobs they don't like. And I was like, well, what kind of, I mean, what kind of a life is that? And I mean, I, I, I got to go spend my, 
you know, I, I got to spend time doing things I don't like. Yep. Like, life's well, too then, short. Well, then what's the whole? Well, then what's the point? You know, like, right. so what? I so I'm only gonna like one one ninth of my life. Right. Like, well, then kill me now. Yeah. You know, I'd rather I'd rather be homeless than you know what I mean. It was like, I I just had and Bitcoin helped. You know, me to it helped uh, to highlight the world around me. And the world around me is what radicalized me, mm-hmm. right? Because fiat, because the thing about fiat money is that it's absolutely disgusting. It's abhorrent. It's one of the most immoral tools, the most viciously disgusting inventions and, and tools of oppression to ever exist on earth. Um, I, it, it's akin to, I mean, it's, it's a long distance handcuff of, your fruit and labor. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's 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 literally like taking years off of your life. It's an energy value, um, right? It sucks life out of you. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I say it to my parents all the time. I I know I say I I said it to my dad just like three days ago. I go, Dad, I mean, I, I have to spend my my time. The, you know, the most finite, scarce thing that I I have. You know, I, I have a human experience. I get like one million heartbeats or one yep. billion heartbeats or whatever yep. it is, right? You know, which hopefully pans out to like more than 80 years or something. Right. Um, and I get to spend 75% of that chasing these paper notes that these motherfuckers over here can just produce at no cost, takes them no time. And, and then they pass them out to their friends and then they, they sit on yachts and have, you know, freaking people bring them foo-foo, you know, umbrella drinks. And, and then they preach to the rest of the world about how the rest of the world should live. And, and, and I'm, the rest of the world, right? Like, and I, I'm supposed to spend my time chasing these things, and they just print them whenever they want. Yep. And I, like, isn't that the most disgusting? I mean, I, what would you do if you were me? You know, my dad is already retired. You know, he's his mind's on like taking it easy and hanging out with grandbabies and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't even want to think about anything negative. You know what I mean? Like, he does. He just like shakes his head, like, yeah, it's it's messed up, right? Yeah, um, but in our position, this is, you have to like deal yeah. with the problem. I'm living the like, right? I mean, I and that's why I love Bitcoin is because it's it, it's a tool to help me to to protect myself. And guess what? I can I can potentially subvert and rebel against this regime, and I don't mm. have to get violent. Yeah, right. Because peaceful person. Because honestly, now by the way, violence is warranted. Fiat money, un, you know, unreserved fiat money warrants violence, in my opinion. It warrants a revolution. It warrants taking up arms to stop this tyranny. Yeah. It's it's absolutely that it's that disgusting. But given the option, I would prefer if I could subvert them and fight them in a nonviolent way. Right? Yeah. Cuz by the way, the guys with the money printer, they and they, the, the guys with the money printer, they they not only have unlimited resources, they have a moral, you know, a lack of a moral compass unlike me, right? I have some integrity, I have some character. They will do things that I'm not willing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will be way more vicious than probably I'm willing to be. And so fighting them violently um, is is going to be awful. There's going to be a lot of loss. Yeah. Um, and there's no guarantee we win. Bitcoin is a tool that we can actually subvert them. And we just we just have to opt out, right? We can obsolete them by not participating in their in their tyranny. And that's one of the most beautiful things I've, I've, you know, I've ever discovered in my life, probably the most beautiful technology I've, I've ever even, you know, heard to be conceived. And so, yeah. like, I'm, I'm 
you know, a, a, a Bitcoin advocate, right? A sound, yeah. you know, a, a, an individualist, but, you know, I, I didn't really want to work in this industry, like in the Bitcoin industry. Um, right. I, you know, I would have taken that, like I would have taken a job, you know, if Swan or if, you know, one of these other companies that I, I align values with um, would have offered me something, I probably, you know, would have taken it if, if all other, you know, oil and gas avenues had been exhausted. Mm. But uh, I'm happy that that's not the case, um, even though, in, you know, you never know what the future might hold. Right. Um, but I hope to work at Upstream Data. I hope I never have to get another job. I tell I tell this to Barbara all the time. I'm like, like. Steve, like I'm, and, and it's and one thing I really, and one of the reasons I really want to work for Upstream Data is, you know, I, I've listened to Steve a lot and, and, you know, I've worked for him now for over two years. And so I've, I've you know, one, I can't, you can't work harder than the guy, right? Which is, a, it's always the best to have a boss that it's impossible to work harder yeah. than him, right? It's, it's, always, it's really inspirational. Yeah. yeah, it's inspirational. And, you know, it, it just like, you know, it's, 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 it's a fire underneath you, right? Um, and, the good news is, is that I, I like, I like the work so much that it never feels like I'm, you know, like, it's never like, I'm like, Oh God, I got to go work today. You yeah. know, like I, I don't really have that. I, I haven't had um, the Sunday scaries since my Fiat job really years ago. Yeah, no. I mean like there's times that I still like, I'm, you know, sometimes I have a headache and I'm like, shit, I have a phone call, yeah. but I get two, I get two minutes into the phone call and I'm, I'm having so much fun on the phone call. I don't <laughs> even care anymore. Right. Like it, it's just, it's just my stupid human. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just my stupid, it's my stupid human condition that like tricks me into thinking I'm not going to enjoy this. And then the second yeah. I start doing it, I enjoy the hell out of it. And so, I know, I experienced like, that as well. But, right, but, but with Steve, what's, what I really like about him is he, he's not building upstream data. I mean, and, and I think he would attest to this, right? As, as far as I understand him, I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, from what I see is he's not building this company to sell it. Hmm. I think he would sell it if he was given some crazy awesome offer and with terms that, you know, aligned with, with what he, you know, his values and what he wants for the company and things. Um, I think he would, I don't think he's opposed to selling. Um, but he's not building this company to sell it, right? There's a lot of people that make, that start companies to sell, you know, it's like yeah. flipping a house. They start a company, they sell it for this, they make a good bit of money and then they go do something else, right? Um, that low time he's not doing that. That low time preference he's, thinking as well really sets up the company for success. That's, that's why it's so easy for me, yeah. No, and that's why I, that's why I want to work for this company is because, yeah. and that's why I, I, I want to set, you know, like I, I tell Steve, like, I, I want to be here, you know, I want to look back and be like, man, isn't that crazy that we've been doing this for a decade? You know? mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I want that because I, I wouldn't want that if Steve didn't exude that vision, right? If he, mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're building, we're building a, you know, 30 plus year oil and gas service company. Right now we're, we're focused on Bitcoin mining. Mm. That's, we do a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with Bitcoin mining. We've got a whole motor shop and mm. I think 25, 35% of our, our business, Bitcoin mining isn't even a part of it. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're servicing engines, we're selling motors, we're building drop down shacks for, you know, other oil field equipment, um, onsite enclosures. And so like we're an oil and gas service company. That's what we're building. Um, so we're diversified, right? Which is nice. Oil and gas is boom and bust. Bitcoin is boom and bust. You might as well diversify because otherwise, you know, get, you, you have a lot of volatility and things can yeah. get tough. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm every day trying to become a better oil and gas professional. Mm. Um, I'm learning, you know, I, I sit in on calls. I'm asking Steve questions that honestly, like, it's, you know, it's, it's probably totally not worth his time to answer them. But he's kind enough that he, he humors me a lot of the time or he sends me something that, 
you know, or he tells me who to talk to on the team. Hey, you know, call, you know, call Daryl or, you know, call Dean, um, ask them about that. Right. Um, and, and I don't know, I know more about, you know, on-site oil and gas op, you know, operations and productions than I ever would have guessed I would. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and by the way, it's, it's only now that I can really understand how ignorant I was in 2018. Right. Right. Even though I started to figure shit out, I, I was an idiot. I yeah. didn't know anything. Um, and I, today I'm actually well-equipped. I, yeah, I love this story just because the, like I said, the persistence, the determination and just seeing where you're at now over the course of what, four or five years from when you made that initial decision, like I want to work in this space. Yeah, it's been, that's a yeah, it's been five years. It's, it's almost been five years to the day that I sent mm-hmm. Steve the email. Um, yeah. when I found upstream data, it's almost, it's like, I think like, well, no, it was, yeah, it was, I think it was May or May or June when I said, so it's like five years Literally right five now years, is when yeah. I sent it. When I, when I first heard of the company and mm-hmm. I sent him an email, um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I got, I got nothing but rejection, man. And you, you know, one thing I would say is, is don't let, don't, don't take the rejection personally. Um, which I can't say that I never, I never took it personally. There was times I did. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I would just, I just kept going back to the numbers, to the, to the concept, to the realities of the world. Right? I just kept going back to you know, first principles, that which I understand and know and what I can prove. Yep. Um, and I didn't let the evidence in front of me, I, I, I didn't turn a blind eye to it, right? I knew that this was going to disrupt upstream energy and power. Mm. Um, I knew it was going to disrupt a lot of things other than oil and gas too. I mean, I knew hydroelectric. I mean, I, I, I started looking into all that stuff, solar and um, even, you know, grid stuff, you know, um, load curtailment and things. I, I, I saw that stuff coming. I just wasn't as excited about those opportunities as I was about Oil and gas. And, and the real reason there is because I think I, I like oil and gas more than I like Bitcoin. <laughs> There's a statement. I, I do. I know. Seriously. I, I love the oil and gas. And I mean, I fell in love with the oil and gas industry in 2018. Hmm. It's got some of the greatest people. I mean, these, the, the most down to earth, uh, people of high integrity, hardworking, you know, again, and, and they're individualists, you know, they don't want to pry into other people's business and they don't want other people to pry into theirs. Yeah. Um, even though they're insanely regulated and stuff. Um, it sounds like upstream has you know, the to, world. You got, you got Bitcoiners and you got oh, gas people. No, seriously. I mean, like if I, if I, if I lose this job at upstream data, you know, God forbid, if for yeah. some reason I'm, I become too expensive, right. I'm no longer bringing as much value as what I'm, I'm siphoning off of the company. Mm. Um, first of all, I'll just tell Steve, pay me less. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take less until I start adding more value, man. Like, <laughs> um, that's, that, that would be my, that'd be my rebuttal at least first. But, um, I would, I probably wouldn't go look in Bitcoin. I'd go look at oil and gas. Right. Um, and I, I go, I'd go look to be, you know, I go look for the, you know, these companies that are in engine sales and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've got an insane network now in oil and gas and I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, I've even got a reputation to some degree in oil and gas. Um, it took a couple years. Way, to that up. Yeah. I mean, I still have a way stronger reputation, I'd say, in, in the Bitcoin space. Yeah. Bitcoin space is maybe a little bit smaller than oil and gas still, um, or, or at least more connected, right? Um, but I am still, you know, and again, the, the thing about upstream data and, and myself is, you know, and this is something Steve preaches all the time, is like, we do not screw people over. Like, mm. We will spend the money. Like, if, And by the way, if we do something wrong, if we, 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 and this has happened, right? We, we sell a product and honestly, like this design was kind of crap, right? Steve chose a bad fan on this yeah. on this one, you know, design build that we did. Like Steve flew out to the freaking oil field, you know, and 
came up with a retrofit and at all our you know costs to to it's make back the reputation the right? customer whole right well yeah because the cost on the reputational hit is way more expensive than the cost of making the problem right you know, making making it right right um you know, again that's a low time preference decision right the high yeah. time preference business guy would say oh I'll see you in court you know <laughs> right yeah. um like the low time preferences you know what you're right we it should have been better let me let me figure out a solution for you we'll and we'll get on it as fast as possible and then you deliver right yeah. and that's what we've been doing at upstream data i mean it takes time right again this company is only this is what our sixth the sixth year of the company um mm. now for i guess 2017 first year so you know um like this company's young right mm. this industry i mean mining in the oil field I, I truly believe in my heart. I mean, I, I think it's provable, by the way, that Steve Barber was the first human being to do this. Um, I, I, I think that is the like, I think that's a fair statement that he was the first human being to go put a Bitcoin mine in the oil mm-hmm. field. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think, you know, I, I'd love for somebody to try to show me that I am. But um, conceptually, I think he started talking about and writing about it before anybody else. Right. Um, and everybody I talked to in this space, you know, everybody, everybody that was earlier as, you know, as early as me says, oh yeah, no, I, I, you know, I worked in oil and gas and I stumbled upon this guy in Canada. Like, you know, everybody, everybody references Steve yeah. as their, the original as the, here, you huh? know, they may have had the idea themselves like me, right? I mean, yeah. truly it was an original idea from that I, I had, but right. it wasn't until I saw, yeah, it wasn't until I saw what Steve was doing that honestly, I went, oh, okay, so this is real. Right? Right. Like, this guy went and proved it for all of us. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's if if that's the case, like you don't, you don't be, you don't build this company to be a high time preference, you know, operation. This that's is how most Bitcoin companies this, are. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah and this, this is bigger than, you know, making 10 million bucks and being rich and blah, 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 you know, and yeah. having shiny things, right. There's, yeah. you know, at some point you're comfortable enough that you're not going to starve and you're going to be able to take care of your family and, and you don't have to worry about that. The second that that's secured, what matters after that? Yeah, life's right. so much better well, when you're chasing something that's just beyond a, a paycheck, right? You're chasing a larger make, making the world, yeah, making the making world the better. world a better place, right? And, and trying to compete, right? And trying to truly participate in a free market and do it in a way that nobody's done it before, right? Or at least do it a little bit better, right? And you know, try to be more creative, try to be more, try to hustle more, right? Try to wake up earlier than your competitors and stay mm-hmm. up later than them, and. and you know, and, and make less mistakes than them and learn from their mistakes as well as your own. And, you yeah, know, and, and don't interrupt them when they're making a mistake, right? Don't interrupt, mm-hmm. don't interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun, right? I, I can say that it doesn't feel like I have, you know, I, I, I haven't dreaded, a, I have not felt the feeling of like, man, I hate my job since 2019 when I was in that, that radio yep. gig. Yeah, I hear that over winners working in the industry. Like it's just the dream yeah. job, honestly. Uh so as we wrap this up, Adam, um, I, yeah, I, that. Cool. I love the story and everything. Um, love to see where you're at nowadays. Seems like you guys are thriving here at Upstream. What's one piece of advice you give to someone working in a fiat job right now and maybe they want to look to work in the Bitcoin mining space in the near future? What can they do today to set themselves up for in success? In the Bitcoin mining space? Yeah. In general, um, if they're looking to work in, if they're looking to work in Bitcoin mining, uh, or even in Bitcoin in general. I mean, which, like, I mean that I would say, figure out what interests you the most, right? Find what is it about either if it's Bitcoin mining, what is it about mining that interests you the most? Is it firmware? Yeah. Um, is it you know is it 
how to optimize an ASIC and is it, is it trying to reuse heat of an ASIC? Is it, you know, like, like kind of with me, is it, Oh, you know, maybe load curtailment or stranded hydroelectric or, Hey, by the way, like, you know, I am, you know, maybe somebody that immigrated to the U S from Nigeria and they know that Nigeria has more flare gas than like freaking anyone. Um, and so they're like, man, I want to bring this to Nigeria. Um, you know, whatever it is that lights the fire, I'd say start there and then obsess over it and mm-hmm. talk about it mm-hmm. and publicly try to become it, the like most on Twitter yeah. and well, public, well, yeah, talk about it. Well, talk to yourself about it. Talk to your family and friends about it. Talk, you know, go, yeah, go interact with other people that are doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of us in the, especially in Bitcoin mining space, I mean, I take the amount of phone calls I, I've taken just to help guys with their home mining setup. Um, which by the way, I benefit from, like, I learned something from their experience. You know, they, they always are thanking me for taking the time and stuff. And I'm like, no, man, like, like I'm having as much fun as you are and I'm learning. And yeah. like, and I have another, I know I'm expanding my network and you know, like what you did was awesome. Like, I, right. I, I wish I'd have thought of that. Um, and so, you know, people are really open in this space to, to share and to collaborate. And so start, start, you know, you can't, if you're afraid to do that, you're going to fail. I mean, you, again, you're, you know, you're, you're effectively afraid to, to step, you know, step in and, and stand at the plate. Well, you're never, you're never going to hit, you're never going to get a hit. You're certainly not going to get a, a home run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got, you got to go, you got to go out there. And by the way, there might be some rejection and there might be days when, you know, somebody wants to schedule a call and then they, they don't show up and then there's going to be bumps. There's going to be, I mean, that's, this is life, right? And, yeah. and this is a messy world and, and it's, it's a fiat world right now. And light, you know, I mean, the human condition is getting squeezed. Um, so I have, I have a lot of uh, patience with people at times, but you got to chase it and then figure out, you know, here's the thing is at the end of the day, if you really want a job, you've got to figure out a way to be useful. You got to figure out a way to add value to a company. I mean, that was something I just knew from being entrepreneurial minded. I mean, I, I've right. started my own companies before I, you know, landscaping companies and other things. And like, I, I'm never going to pay an employee more than he adds in value to the company. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a bad business decision. Or at least I'm not going to do it for very long. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, might, I might think that, you know, okay, well, the first two months he's learning and stuff. So I'm paying him more than he's worth. But by month five, I better be, I better be winning this transaction. Right. Um, we, we better both be happy. He's happy to be paid what he's getting paid. I'm happy to pay it to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I knew that with Steve. I mean, like, you know, upstream data didn't go raise bajillions of dollars or anything. Right? Like we, we don't burn cash. We, we're a lean company, right? You have to be lean in these volatile, industry, you know, volatile industries. And so, mm-hmm. I, I check myself. I mean, trust me, I know my numbers and stuff every month since I've worked here, like how much I've helped bring in for the company. Now, there also are some intangibles, right? Like me going on a Max Kaiser podcast, like a ton of people saw that and then sent us emails and how many of those became, you know, so like there's some intangibles that are, are immeasurables, I guess you could call it. Right. Um, but I just, even a lot of the time I focus on you know, the more tangible stuff of like, hey, you know, what money can I help bring into the company directly? Yeah. Um, so that I know, I know that I'm not dead weight in this company. Like mm-hmm. I know I'm not, you know, they're not paying me 10. And, and by the way, like I'm not, I'm not in some cushy salary or, you know what I mean? Like w- w- that would, that would never make sense. Right. Um, like I'm, I'm working for what I think is fair. Um, I, again, like, and I tell, I've told Steve this before, right. Is, you know, I love this job so much. I've wanted, I've wanted this, for so long and I enjoy it so much that he's got all the, he's got the upper hand 
when it comes to the, the contract negotiations, right? Mm -hmm. he, he can he can lowball me, and I'm probably going to take it. Like I, I've told him this when when we've had our sit downs of you know, yeah. hey, you know, this is what I think I can pay you. I'm like Steve, you can lowball me. I'll you know, don't beat me up too bad because <laughs> I'll I'll take it. But this is what I think is, and he, and Steve has been extremely fair to me. Yeah. Um, upstream data has been extremely fair to me as a, as an employee. Um, you know, Steve never, he was, he's never somebody that would have, you know, required me to get vaccinated. Um, we, we, I mean, he even mentioned that when that was going on in Canada was pretty crazy. I mean, he, yeah. he was like, you know, he, he's like, he's like, I think this is morally and ethically terrible. And I would never ask this of employees. He's like, if the government forces this on us, I might have to shut the company down for a period of time or something. He's like, cause I'm not comfortable telling you guys to, so like that's something that you know again it just reinvigorated my fire like okay i'm working for somebody that's not just gonna flip around and throw tyranny at me because it's you know it's the rules or whatever right that's gonna yeah. take away my medical autonomy yeah. um and so you know i mean you know in other words like say you were getting paid 10 grand a month to work in some horrible cubicle job that you hated what what kind of a pay cut are you willing to take to absolutely enjoy and love what you do and maybe even admire or, or positive, you know, have a very positive um, opinion of the people you're working for and the company you're working for. You know, is it, is it that? Is it, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, think you're about those things. A third of your day working, so might as well do it with people you enjoy being with uh, and doing yeah. in an industry and a job you actually like pursuing. You like waking up every day and, and doing that thing. So, yeah, to me, that's as long as I can pay the minimum bills and, have maybe a little bit of extra savings. I I love working in the Bitcoin industry just because that reason. No, I'm I'm and even beyond like enjoying it. I mean, I think it's like you, know, you get one life. Yeah. Right. I mean, when you're when you're you know maybe a grandparent um, one day, like what are you gonna say? Like, oh no, I was I was employee one of you know 187,000 at Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, but I was making 300 grand a year and getting stock options right. and I got two, you know, I got six weeks paid leave and, blah, blah, you know, and like free travel. And, and so you probably cushy and set up and you probably got a couple of properties and a lake house right. and life's probably pretty good. But what, but the one thing you can't buy with all that money is yeah, a different experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, a different life experience, right. Having done something different. And, and so if this is something you, you know, if this is a, if you think that this is something you want to participate in, like, I mean, building out the Bitcoin network is something I think is a noble cause. I think it's truly, you know, I've said this before is Bitcoin is, is good, right? Sound money is ethically and morally, I, I find it to be what I would classify as, as good. And I want to contribute to goodness, right? I, I want to, like, I want to look back and say like, yeah, I, what I was spending my, you know, time and energy on is something good and something that was positive for the world around me yeah. you know i don't need to be famous i don't it doesn't need to make an impact where you know i'm i'm some hot shot i, I don't get i don't care about that right I and mean, that and that's that's a stupid that you know that's vanity mm -hmm. more it's more about i can look myself in the mirror and know like yeah i i at, you know at the end of the day i made the decision to work for that which what i thought was was noble um and and good and just right um i i didn't help perpetuate this fiat scam Right. Um, and I, and I, yeah. I also didn't let it, I also didn't let it, you know, control me the way it controls a lot of others. You know, I would have a really hard time working for like a big tech, especially like Google, right. With the way they, the things that they do, right. I'm mean, the things they're involved in the, God, the things I would classify as damn near tyrannical. Yeah. Um, I would, 
you know, if, if by the way, like if Steve had come to us and said, hey, like you got to get vaccinated to work here, I would have walked away right then and I would not have been quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like, and I think he knows that. Um, and so like, I just, it's all the more respect I have for him because, you know, it was never a concern, honestly. Um, but like, had he said that I, I would have been shocked, you know, blown out of my shoes, but I also like, I love working here, but I don't love it that much. Right. Like I would have been like, well, like a that's it. individual and you have yeah. choices in life. Right. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And that's what's yeah. great about the Bitcoin industry too. But uh, we got to wrap yeah, this so, up, I mean, Adam. Um, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really loved your story. I think it'll resonate with a lot of people, especially working in like the oil and gas industry um, and how they can get their foot in the door with the Bitcoin company. The, the thesis is basically you have to provide value, stay consistent. Yeah. Um, and one day, you know, luck will be on your side. So how can um, yeah, I say good? I'd say also build, you know, build a positive reputation. That'd be the other side of it, right? Like start, you know, start doing right by people and truly contributing. And I think people will echo your, you know, people will ring the bell for you, right? Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. So yeah, where can the audience uh, find you? How can they get in touch with you or follow you on Twitter? Well, I mean, reach out, you know, upstreamdata.ca is a good place to shoot a note. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I see, I see inquiries and stuff that come through there, but you can, you can send me a note at, um, I'm, I'm Denver Bitcoin on Twitter. I mean, I have my DMs are open. I get tons of them and I look through them right? I, I, late at night, go through all my message requests and filter out the spam ones. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I hop on calls at midnight and stuff all the time. Um, like I, I, I've even got one today. And so, you know, if, if I'm somebody you want to talk to, I'm happy to talk to you. Um, you know, maybe I can help you. I'm, I'm not, you know, maybe I can't, but mm-hmm. You know, if I can, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can, or at least, you know, I, I'd love to entertain um, anybody that's interested enough to just come talk to, you know, anybody that's interested enough to listen to this podcast, honestly, right? Like anybody that's in, interested, interested enough to dive far. into, right? I know, yeah, I mean, you made it this far and you're, you're seeking out this content, right? Um, because I mean, like, you're not ram, you know, you're not advertising this on Bloomberg and like, I mean, you're not, you know what I mean? Like this isn't being rammed down the world's throat. And so mm. like, people are, for the most part, a lot of people are seeking this stuff out and that's where you're, they're finding you and you're finding them. And so if you've made it this far, I mean, like, absolutely, I'm willing to talk to you. Um, you know, I won't, I won't bullshit you, but you know, I may not be able to help, but you know, again, like this is, this is a game where you got to get out there. This is the information age, you know, put your name out there, start building, you know, your resume is, it's all, you know, it's digital now, right. It's, you know, I I have records all the way. Yeah. I mean, I've got records all the way back to 2018 of what I've talked about, you know, arguments I've had on the internet, mm-hmm. articles I've written, you know, start writing about things mm-hmm. um, and then go ask Bitcoin Magazine to publish it and see if they will. Go yep. ask somebody else, right? If, if you need help with that, I'll help you out with that. I know, I, you know, I know guys over there and stuff. I can, you know, so just, just start running is what I would say, right? Start running start. and yeah, just get going. Man, that was such great advice. Uh, thank you so much for your time again. Uh, audience if you're listening reach out to adam if you're looking to work in the i guess mining industry overall maybe i'll provide some advice help you out along the way uh yeah so thanks so much for your time and uh hopefully talk to you in a year from hey, now where you're at eric really enjoyed it eric thanks for having me man i'm gonna i'm gonna be checking out a couple of these other ones too i want to see who else you had on here but cool. you know, best of luck to you and keep crushing it dude thanks man appreciate it see ya